This is True News, the end time newscast. I'm Rick Wiles. Wall Street tumbled downward on Monday as plummeting oil prices and worsening coronavirus news sparked a panic-driven sell-off and sent investors fleeing risk, searching for safety. The Dow Jones Industrial Average sank more than 2,000 points by the closing bell. Today's worldwide sell-off of stocks was triggered by a steep drop in the price of oil on Sunday night, caused by Saudi Arabia's decision to boost production in the face of a dramatic decline in the demand for oil. Market demand for oil is falling because many of China's factories are closed and air traffic is down considerably worldwide as travelers cancel plans due to the fast-spreading coronavirus outbreak. Now, Italy is currently the world's hotspot for infections. The, Itali the Italian government ordered 16 million residents in northern Italy to go into quarantine. Tens of thousands of Italians attempted to flee northern Italy over the weekend before the quarantine order went into effect. Today, Italy's prime minister extended the quarantine order to the entire nation. The coronavirus lockdown triggered riots in nearly 30 prisons across the region. Fires were set in some Italian prisons. Several correctional officers were taken hostage by prisoners. Six inmates were killed today. We have this report from Reuters in Italy. As the spread of coronavirus grips northern Italy, prison riots have erupted, leaving six inmates dead and two guards taken hostage. Riots have hit prisons across Italy as a result of quarantine measures for the coronavirus. At least six inmates have died. On Sunday, the government, as part of wider and sweeping quarantine measures, declared restrictions on family visitations, no direct contact with visitors, only phone and remote methods. That's what sparked the rioting. Amidst the chaos, two guards were taken hostage and released after police raids. The Justice Ministry said fires have been set at a number of prisons, causing severe damage. At least 25 prisons have seen violence. Of the six inmate deaths, two were caused by an overdose of stolen drugs from the prison infirmaries. The causes of the other four remain unclear. Hundreds have died from the virus in Italy, with wide parts of the country on virtual lockdown. As a pastor and as your friend, I need to warn that the available time for you to purchase food and supplies to last up to six months is quickly coming to an end. Americans may have only days remaining to safely purchase groceries and necessities. Do not waste the time. Our topic today is did APAC conference infect U.S. politicians with coronavirus? Doc Burkhart is in self-quarantine in his home following his trip to Asia. Edward Zoll is here in the studio. Kerry Kinsey is off today. Please pray for him. Kerry experienced some heart-related issues over the weekend. Gentlemen, um, Doc, are you there? Yes, sir, I Hi. am. Hi, Doc. Um, 
do you all, do the, you two have the same feeling I have today that the coronavirus situation has deeply worsened since we were here Friday? Oh, yes, Doc, uh, Rick, Doc, I, I think that there, there's definitely a level, not just of severity, but um, just a level of grief, kind of agreement in my spirit, at least watching how how global this has gone. I mean, Italy, Italy's just a small example. Italy, the entire country going into quarantine. About an hour ago. About an hour ago. I mean, right. a state, of, state of emergency here in Florida about an hour ago also. But it's more so that it's come home. I, I, I personally know people who went to CPAC. I, the, the cases we're hearing about the domestic exposure, it's, it's becoming real yes. for so many in this country. And the news stories that I read uh, from other countries over the weekend, particularly interviews with scientists, uh, uh, infectious disease experts, were some of the most troubling, ominous stories that I have read since this coronavirus uh, news started back in late January. We're going to share these uh, stories with you uh, later in today's Godcast. By the way, President Trump is scheduled to hold a live news conference in approximately, what, 15, 20 minutes? Yes, if he's on time. And uh, we're going to go live to it. Uh, we don't know what he's going to talk about. Uh, we assume he's going to talk about the crash on Wall Street today. And we'll see what the president has to say about it. Um, so just stand by. We will be going there uh, momentarily. We're waiting on the White House to indicate that he's, uh, he's going to walk out into the uh, press room. Um, before we move on to these uh, main topics, I, we've got some video from Italy. Uh, uh, Edward and Doc and I were watching live video feeds today from Italian television stations. Yes. I could barely believe my eyes, uh, you know, especially when I realized it was live, you know, and, uh, and I was asking Edward, did, did you just see what just happened on the streets? It was pandemonium, chaos. You've got nearly 30 prisons uh, rioting today. Some of the prisons were on fire. In some of these videos that we're going to show you, you'll see the prisoners streaming out of the prison, running down the streets. In other videos, uh, angry citizens vented their frustration by fighting with the police. They were angry yes. that the prisoners had escaped, and so they were, they were fighting with the police. The police should have been chasing the prisoners. Instead, they were trying to contain the citizens. So uh, this first one uh, shows... Uh, prisoners running out of the prison. This is, a, this is number two. So let's watch this. Hey, Doc, how would you uh, like to be a resident nearby 
Uh, and, and you hear that the prison has uh, gone berserk and the prisoners have escaped and they're running down the street. And you're self-quarantined because of coronavirus. Yes. I mean, think about that. So you're trapped in your home because of a uh, suspected case of coronavirus and prisoners are breaking out of the prison. But on the prisoner's defense, Rick, they're trapped in a Petri dish themselves. I mean, uh, they don't have a choice. They're locked in with uh, uh, the coronavirus. And so uh, they're, they were rioting because they don't want to get coronavirus or they are not getting proper medication. It's I'm almost, not defending uh, the riots, but no. I understand where they're coming from. So it's almost as bad as being uh, a, a, an elderly person in the life care center in Kirkland, Washington. That's right. So, oh, not only were people, you know, prisoners uh, breaking out of prison in, uh, well, let's see, uh, 29 prisons across Italy were having riots today, but family members who want to actually see their family members who were locked in to be able to check in on them, uh, they were protesting against the police because they weren't getting, they weren't being given access to the prisons. The prisons are locked down, and so the police were beating protesters in the street, and we have video of that too. scenes of anarchy. I mean, that, that one man, the older uh, gentleman, he, I saw him three times get beat by the police mm -hmm. with that billy club. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this, again, is just one of the situations, one of the cities that had a prison nearby that had a breakout or a riot. This is all over Italy. Edward, this is, this is going to become commonplace country after country. Iran opened up their prison gates and released 54,000 prisoners into the streets. It's a template for the rest right. of the West. I mean, this could happen in the United Kingdom. This could happen in America. The difference here is we riot with guns. That's why I said at the beginning, you're down to days, just days, to get food and supplies because you're going to have to go into lockdown. This is moving very quickly. And uh, the people of Italy today in southern Italy did not expect to be in quarantine today. Right. The people in northern Italy didn't expect to be in quarantine over the weekend. They, if you saw the chaos at the train stations in northern Italy, people shoving and pushing, trying to get on the last train leaving northern Italy. Uh, chaotic scenes. And, yes. and this is becoming commonplace nation after nation uh, as the virus spreads. And it will happen here in the United States because here's, here's why, Doc. The general public in America is ignoring it. They're clueless. Yes. They're in denial. And when it hits them, when they really come to realize it's, it's real, well, they're going to lose it. They've been conditioned to defy 
quarantine. They're not really following even the self-quarantine measures. There's plenty of examples I saw over the weekend of individuals that should be on self-quarantine are being seen out in the community. Uh, people are not uh, taking the advice uh, being given to them by the CDC or, or our other agencies in the government to, uh, to maybe uh, avoid uh, going out into public gatherings. Don't go to public spaces. Don't continue to fly internationally. Uh, when it does come, if it does come, but more than likely it will come, a day where a state of emergency is declared over the whole country, uh, unless police and military are on the streets, no one is going to follow the government's recommendations for quarantine. Well, that's what they're finding in these other countries, Edward, and that's why they're now uh, imposing prison sentence. Some, some countries now up to three years in prison for uh, violating the quarantine rules. So if you don't want to be quarantined in your house, how about being quarantined in a prison for three years? So th that's what's happening. Uh, our main topic here today is did APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, did APAC infect the U.S. Congress with coronavirus? We have been asking this question since the end of the APAC conference in Washington, D.C. And again, I want to thank the enemies of True News who have attacked us and smeared us and vilified us and demanded that nobody grant media credentials to us. Thank you so much. I just thank you for doing it because we didn't go to APAC. We didn't cover it. We didn't go there physically. Thank you. You protected us. I'm concerned about the people who were at APAC and, and now have returned to their communities carrying the virus. So we're going to be talking um, about it here. And then later in the program, we have some very shocking information. One of those stories, and I'm bringing it up front before we talk about APAC. I got this out of La Repubblica in uh, Italy today. And uh, this is a translation from Italian to English. The coronavirus, now this is a story you're not seeing in the United States. The coronavirus remains in the air for up to 30 minutes and can cover a distance of 4.5 meters indoors. So that's, that's roughly 15 feet. Right. So somebody that's 15 feet away from you, Edward, who's infected, mm. can release the virus and the virus lingers in the air for Survives. 30 minutes. Survives. Survives. You think about it, and they won't, really, the headline of this should have probably been that coronavirus cases found to be somewhat airborne, right? Like, because what you just described here sounds like an airborne pathogen. But the, the study this was based on was by an epidemiologist named Hu Shi Xiong. And what they said was it can be confirmed that in an air-conditioned closed environment, the transmission distance of the new coronavirus will exceed the commonly recognized safe distance. And that's when they went on to say that this could go uh, up to 4.5 meters indoors, but 4.5 meters is a long distance. It's, it's, it's almost 15 feet. Almost 15 feet, probably more. I mean, this is the, the okay, extent so, of the study. All right, it could be a small bus, small vehicle. Uh, Briefing room in an yes. important building like the White a House. A convention floor. Yes. So what we hear in America from the CDC, and you hear politicians uh, citing it, is, oh, um, 
you know, the dangerous area is just to be, you know, a few feet away from the person. And basically, you know, the, the implication is that person's got to spit on you and you got to be standing a couple feet away. And, you you know, if you're if you're uh, more than so many, I, what is it? Uh, how many feet are they saying? Six feet. Six feet. Remember, six remember feet. inside that makeshift surge yeah. tent in California, yeah. they had the six feet uh, right. separation between the yeah. chairs. So it's actually 15 feet, and the, it can be in the air for 30 minutes. The infected person could have walked away a half hour ago, and you could still get it. I think about a plane. How many half an hour segments do you have on a usual plane flight, uh, let's say domestically or internationally? This may explain again the rapid ascent of uh, spread here we've seen in other countries, but also internationally, because again, it can live for 30 minutes outside yes. the body. Again, think, Edward, I'm thinking about this. You're in a room, you enter a room and you don't know that 20 minutes earlier, an infected person left the room mm. but the virus is lingering in the air yes. and, and you never meet the person you don't shake hands with the person you, you don't have any interaction with the person's been gone for 20 minutes the virus is in the air for 30 minutes this this research which is from china says the virus can exist up to three days on glass metal, plastic, paper, and textiles. Three days. Why isn't this the front page of every newspaper in the world? Because the news is controlled in America. That's why. What? You and Doc and I are fighting against the censorship of news in America. That's why we're called True News. And we, we, have, to, we have to fight to get this information out. Well, Rick, even, even, even when we put the information out there, we're, we're getting accused of putting out fake news. I mean, I don't understand the mindset of people that are in such denial about the information that's being put out there. Just receive it, take the information, make your own evaluation for it, but just don't automatically assume that it's fake or it's an attack on the president or that it's some sort of psyop operation. It could be any of those things, but whether they are or not, the effects are the are still the same. That people are getting sick, that they're showing up, uh, you know, in quarantine, and it's having an impact on society. They locked down Italy today. All right, that's not imaginary. <laughs> they locked down an entire country today. So, Doc, how many how many Americans and Canadians and Europeans were touring Rome today. Oh, easily in the hundreds of thousands, if not a million. They can't get out. A city like Rome. They can't get out. They can't leave. They're now in a country that's in quarantine. A country which two weeks ago uh, people wouldn't have batted an eye at about taking a trip to as a tourist, a worker, or even a, a government official. I mean, this is a country that had military drills uh, potentially set up for only two weeks ago with, I believe it was with Israel, the 173rd Airborne Division. But this story, Rick, it includes textiles. Think about it, that's clothes. Two to three days on clothes. So I know a doctor mentioned people disbelieve. Let's just give them a little fact. This story's been out there for a long time. The factories in China, there were workers who showed up to work, producing the goods that come to all the world, including America. And this now says, this study was not something that's this moment. This is study, studying cases maybe in January and February. 
that for two to three days, the virus, if let's say a worker coughed while he was on the production line, that could have survived on products that individual made and was then subsequently shipped out to other parts of China, potentially other parts of the world. That's right. Well, um, if, if, the, if the product uh, arrived in less than three days, all right, it would be contagious. But uh, airport luggage? There was a case out of the United yeah. Kingdom. Remember luggage, luggage will get there in the same day. Yes, that's right. Right. Two baggage handlers in the UK, Rick, came down with coronavirus here uh, on Friday of last week. And so how many bags did they handle? How many hundreds, maybe even thousands of bags did they uh, handle pull, pulling in and out of uh, airport terminals and out of uh, air, airline uh, baggage holds? I mean, doc, doc, we were talking about this a month ago. Right. Yeah. And we even had people in the airline industry that said this is going on right now. Okay, let's let's get back to APAC. I wanted to talk about the story. The the original I got a lot of Republica. The original story was in South China Morning Post because mm. it's a Chinese <clears throat> study. So APAC, we know, <coughs> excuse me. We know last week or how APAC's been what, two weeks now? Last week. No, last, last, week. week. last week. Was it last week? Okay, last Just last week. So the end of last Tuesday, right? Yes. We know that um, at least two delegates to APAC are infected. It was traced back to a, a man at a law firm in New York City Mr. in Manhattan. Actually, and you were right when we, you and I had a conversation, Mr. Garbu has called it from the other lawyer. Oh, wow. Well, some two yes. cases. Yes. But. So th that lawyer who, wor uh, who works in Mr. Garbus's uh, law firm, uh, he infected something like 19 people, including members of his family. Mm. But then he's connected to a synagogue. The synagogue was shut down. Um, his son attends uh, Yeshiva University. Uh, they hold it classes. Um, He's active in Young Israel, which is a Zionist, very radical Zionist organization that, uh, um, let's just say they, they, they're, they're very fond of uh, IDF uh, snipers and- uh, Kneecappers. Kneecappers, all right. Uh, so anyhow, it's been traced back to that group. Okay, so over the weekend, Another report came out. This is from Los Angeles. A third APAC delegate was confirmed to have coronavirus. Now, it, the news media in America is really working hard to suppress the news about APAC. You, you really have to work hard to find the stories. And they may mention APAC somewhere in the story because like if you read, uh, you know, uh, out of Los Angeles, uh, you know, man or person diagnosed with with uh, coronavirus, it, it may be the next to the last sentence says the it. individual attended APAC. So it's not in the headlines. They don't want you. The Zionists are trying to manage the damage control. Why? Because two thirds of the U.S. Congress visited the APAC convention including the vice president of the United States and major members of the cabinet, vice uh, secretary of state Pompeo, uh, two thirds of the congressional members, House and Senate were there. What happens if this spreads 
into the Congress, it, it comes back on the doorstep of APAC. Mm. And so the media is working very hard to get, to scrub APAC's name out of this news cycle. But guess who, guess what organization they're also working very hard to pin this on, to pin yes. it on. CPAC, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, which is just as guilty. I say when I say guilty, just as uh, I- implicated in the spread of coronavirus. So both organizations, uh, political conferences attended by many politicians in Washington. And now we have a situation that we don't know how many members of the House and Senate were exposed to coronavirus. So I'm going back to that South China Morning Post, La Republica article. The virus can survive in the air for 30 minutes. It can, it can exist on hard surfaces for three days. Think about this as we talk about APAC and CPAC. So we'll move on. Times of Israel. Now this is uh, number five. Times of Israel, Israeli newspaper. APAC won't say whether coronavirus infected attendees met with lawmakers. Why? Of course not. Wait, wait a minute. APAC is being irresponsible. They need to be transparent. They need to tell us who met with whom. They know who's infected and they know who they met. And why aren't they disclosing this information? Well, they won't even confirm if they've notified those members of Congress that uh, went to APAC, spoke at APAC, or even some of their staffers. The, the Times of Israel, quoting a, a congressional aide, said that staffers and Capitol Hill were freaking out, that's their words, about whether they had interacted with the infected pro-Israel activists. Now, this is, uh, I would say, just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this story, but at least the Times of Israel mentions and actually published and put the name APAC, you know, into the organization APAC into this But it's story. published in Israel. It's right. not doing any damage here in the United States. Right. It's not hurting their, their public relations in, in Israel. It's their PR in America they have to protect. And Betsy Burns Corns, the new president of APAC, she uh, she really only put out the memo uh, informing uh, individuals about the potential of exposure. Uh, she put that out on Twitter. That was the first we ever heard about it. We don't know at what point in time that APAC and Betsy Burns Corns knew about the infection. But the point is, is that this has now created a national security emergency in the center of U.S. power. Well, what we do know, Doc and Edward, is that the government of Israel has ordered all Israelis who attended APAC yes. to go into quarantine. Yes. And they did that on Thursday, Rick. Last, they did that on Thursday. That's right. Last, last Thursday, but the United States, the Trump administration has not taken any action. And everybody's acting like there's no problem. And so you have... You have members of the House and Senate, you have their staff members, you have the news reporters, you have the delegates who went back to their synagogues and their evangelical Zionist uh, temples, and only God knows how many of them are infected and are spreading it in their communities. Well, Rick, uh, the spokesperson, the international spokesperson that for the IDF spoke from the stage 
at APAC. I mean, you think about the extent of this. They had an iron dome in the basement. There were military members at the conference. Uh, as you know, The Intercept uh, pointed out, the Israeli health ministry is taking uh, steps, ordering self-quarantine uh, of residents returning from these conferences. But the United States um, basically has let these individuals walk around free, maybe to go to other uh, conferences such as CPAC and other private meetings, plenty of which took place last week in D.C. Uh, this has become now a huge uh, scandal, I think, in regard to APAC, because it was, came down to them not really notifying anyone right away when they found out. You know, I, I hope, Everett, I don't get deplatformed for reading and quoting a Jewish newspaper, because that's what they do to me. You know, I, I read newspapers from all over the world, but whenever I, I quote Jewish newspapers, somebody wants to deplatform me because I get the information out to the general public. But I'm reading from the Times of Israel. Is asked by the Times of Israel whether the organization had been in touch with any members of Congress or congressional staff who met with the coronavirus-infected conference attendees, and APAC officials said, quote, they don't have anything further. We continue to follow the guidelines by local and federal public health authorities, end of quote. Wow. And what he didn't say is, and we wrote the guidelines. <laughs> well, Rick, right. But in Israel, if you went to APAC, you're in quarantine, mandatory by the Israeli government. And they, be sh they should be doing that here. Yes. Also. It, it shouldn't be CPAC, something learn about CPAC from and APAC. If you went to either one of these organizations, now think about it. I don't know. Was John Hagee, was he at, at APAC? Or his aides. Or people who met with John Hagee subsequently or went to his church. How many, how many of the famous evangelical Zionists on religious TV were at APAC? you know, hobnobbing with their Zionist masters. How many of them were there? How many of them went back to their, their church congregations after being uh, exposed to coronavirus inside APAC? Well, think about this. The, the trinkets they hand out at APAC, you know, the conferences, pens, bands, anything made from plastic, textile. Uh, these people uh, who attended the, the conference, they took these things home. They passed them out. They took them back to offices. APEC specifically had a whole day where they sent their attendees out to every single congressional office in Capitol Hill. What do they call those objects in, in Kabbalah? Trinkets. Tokens. 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 So you may have received a coronavirus-infused token from a Zionist, Kabbalah. So anyhow, um, Israel has put them in quarantine. The United States has not. Now we, we move on. Okay, we've got, I, I, over the weekend I saw a video of uh, New York Senator Charles Schumer giving a shout out to the uh, students, the New York students who were at APAC. From the Yeshiva University. From the Yeshiva University, which is the center well, it's, it's one of the clusters of uh, coronavirus in, in Westchester County. The lawyer's son went to it. Yes. So that's how it got there. Yes. All right. So this is, this is Senator Schumer on the stage of APAC giving a shout out to the Yeshiva University students, which happens to be the, one of the delegations from New York that's carrying coronavirus. Watch this. Here, thank you for having me at the largest 
gathering of Americans who support the United States-Israel relationship. Thank you for coming and supporting Israel. Now, let me begin on a happy note. At least some Jews can play basketball. The Yeshiva University basketball team. They're known as the Maccabees. They won their conference and just qualified for the NCAAs. Well, somebody should ask uh, Charles Schumer if he'll get a swab test, have his fever, his temperature taken. Uh, he ought to be in quarantine. Sure, forget the three-point shots you're talking about from that team. They're going to be talking about vaccines and treatment for essentially for the people who are exposed. Charles, and Rick, yes, go ahead, Doc. And, and Rick, you got to know he's the representative from New York. He probably hung out with his constituents after he spoke, right? Of course, that's what I'm saying. If anybody who should be in quarantine right now, it ought to be Charles Schumer. Instead of threatening Supreme Court judges, he ought to be in mandatory quarantine. He's, not only is he a threat to Supreme Court justices, he's a threat to anybody that he comes in contact with. Now, the uh, Jerusalem Post, here I go again, I'm quoting Israeli newspapers. The headline, Israel Malls Quarantine for Travelers from New York, California, and Washington. The Israeli Health Ministry is, this was over the weekend, considering adding the American states of Washington, New York, and California to the list of places requiring visitors now in Israel to do 14 days of quarantine. Well, Rick, I'll add to that story. Uh, late this afternoon, uh, and this was in Times of Israel, it was re uh, reported that Pre Vice President Pence requested that uh, Israel quarantine all visitors coming from anywhere uh, rather than just say just the U.S. Yes. Because they didn't want to appear that was just the U.S. that was being quarantined. Well, part of the, according to the reports over the weekend, Doc, there was a heated debate inside the Netanyahu cabinet. The health ministry wanted American visitors in, in Israel to be quarantined. Right. Mr. Netanyahu opposed it. Now, we don't have a quote directly from Mr. Netanyahu. This is based on Israeli news reports. They said that he, he feared that he was going to offend and anger Donald Trump. Wow. So he, if that's true, he was making policy based on the political expediency of being friends with the United States and Donald Trump and Jared Kushner over the safety of the Israelis. So uh, that's the kind of political dynamics that's taking place right now in countries uh, of politicians arguing with health officials over what they should do. I got one more story before we go to the White House, and, and this, is, this has to do with AIPAC. This is Jerusalem Post, same story that we just looked at. A, spos a spokesperson for AIPAC said he did not know how many Israelis took part in the 18,000-person conference, which was attended by world leaders, dozens of members of Congress, and high-profile officials. Vice President, speak, uh, Vice President Mike Pence was the keynote speaker. 
according to APAC's website, prominent Israeli participants, including included former ambassadors to the United States, Danny Elion. Goes on. In contrast to the Israeli Health Ministry, the Washington, D.C. Capitol Department of Health issued a statement on Friday saying, based on its investigation, quote, there is no identified risk to conference attendees at this time. All attendees and members of the public are urged to follow the well-established prevention tips like staying home if you're sick and calling ahead to a health provider if experiencing symptoms. We will work with APAC leadership to keep all attendees informed of any new developments. So you see the American political leaders and, and government agencies bowing down to APAC. Israel doesn't have to bow down to APAC because APAC works for them. Well, but in the United States, federal, state, and local government agencies bowed down and licked the boots of the Israeli Zionists at APAC. If you would ask the average Israeli or even average American if they care more about the foreign policy goals of President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu rather than their safety and the safety of their family, I guarantee you the average American cares more about not getting coronavirus than they do about this special, untouchable, immutable relationship we have with Israel. Yes, but APAC has the power in Washington and they're showing us right now they have that power and they're putting all of America at risk in order to save and protect their public image. All right, we're going to go to the White House. President Trump is speaking uh, in regards to the crash on Wall Street today. Thank you very much. We just attended a a very important task force meeting on the virus that everybody is talking about all over the world, no matter where you go. That's what's on people's minds. And we are going to take care of and have been taking care of the American public and uh, the American economy. We are going to be asking tomorrow. We're seeing the Senate. We're going to be meeting with uh, House Republicans, Mitch McConnell, everybody, and discussing a possible payroll tax uh, cut or relief, substantial relief, very substantial relief. That's a big, that's a big number. Uh, we're also going to be talking about hourly wage earners getting uh, help so that they can uh, uh, be in a position where they're not going to ever miss a paycheck. We're going to be working with uh, companies and small companies, large companies, a lot of companies, so that they don't uh, get penalized for something that's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not our country's fault. Uh, this was something that we were thrown into, and we're going to handle it, and we have been handling it very well. The big decision was early when we shut down our borders. We're the first ones ever to do that. We've never done that in our country before. We would have a situation that would be uh, um, a lot more dire. Also, we're going to be seeing uh, Small Business Administration and uh, creating loans for small businesses. We're also working with the industries, including the airline industry, the uh, cruise ship industry, which obviously will be hit. Uh, we're working with them very, very strongly. We want them to uh, travel. We want people to travel to certain locations. And 
not to other locations at this moment. And hopefully that will straighten out sooner rather than later. But we're working with the industries and uh, in particular those two industries. We're also talking to the hotel industry in some places actually will do well and some places probably won't do well at all. But we're working also with the hotel industry. But the main thing is that we're taking care of the American public and we will be taking care of the American public. And uh, I really appreciate the professionals behind me and the professionals actually behind them in a different room. Uh, we have a tremendous team and it's headed up by our great vice president, Mike Pence. And I want to thank Mike because he's been working 24 hours a day just about. He has been working very, very hard, very diligently and very professionally. And I want to thank him. I want to thank the team. And I'll have Mike say a few words. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. We just completed the day's uh, meeting of the White House uh, Coronavirus Task Force. Uh, we had the opportunity to brief the President today on a broad range of issues. Um, and uh, once again, because of the unprecedented action that President Trump took in January, suspending all travel from China, um, establishing uh, travel advisories for uh, portions of, uh, of South Korea and Italy, uh, establishing screening of all direct flights, all passengers from all airports, Italy uh, and South Korea. Uh, uh, we, have, uh, we have bought a considerable amount of time, according to all the health experts, to deal with the coronavirus here in the United States. In fact, as I stand before you today, uh, the, uh, the risk of contracting the coronavirus to the American public remains low, and the risk of serious disease uh, among the American public also remains low. That being said, uh, uh, the President did deploy not just a whole-of-government approach, uh, but also a, a whole of America approach. And last week, uh, at the President's direction, we met with leaders in industries from nursing homes to airlines, pharmaceutical companies, uh, commercial labs, and it's had great, great impact. Uh, pharmaceutical companies are already working uh, uh, literally around the clock on the development of uh, therapeutics that will be medicines that can bring relief to people that contract the coronavirus. Uh, and I know the, how pleased the president was to learn that the commercial labs in this country, uh, led by companies like uh, LabCorp and Quest, have already uh, brought a test forward and are taking that to market effective uh, today. Um, this week, the president's direction will be meeting uh, with hospital CEOs, health insurance CEOs, and all uh, building on top of what the president uh, will be announcing tomorrow with regard to economic relief. Uh, for working Americans. Uh, we also met today uh, in a conference call with 47 of America's governors. We were able to brief them on the latest, uh, the progress that we've made. Uh, we were able to confirm with them uh, that uh, testing is now available in all state labs in every state in the country. Over a million tests have been distributed before the end of this week. Another four million tests will be distributed. But as I said before, with the deployment of the commercial labs, uh, we literally uh, we literally are going to see a a, uh, a dramatic increase uh, in the available availability of testing, and that's all a direct result uh, of the uh, of the president's leadership today. In in uh, a few moments, uh, 
We will, uh, we will outline community guidance that Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci will be publishing. Uh, President's direction, we're going to be uh, providing guidance about how to keep your home safe, uh, how to keep your business safe, uh, how to keep safe and healthy at your school, and we'll be publishing that information and speaking about that. Uh, a brief word about the Grand Princess. Uh, the Grand Princess uh, uh, has, uh, has docked this afternoon in Oakland, California uh, at a commercial dock. Um, uh, 25 children, uh, we were happy to learn through the screening over the last two days, the 25 children on the ship are all healthy. Um, uh, of the people that have contracted uh, the coronavirus, uh, 21 in all, uh, they are being dealt with in proper isolation, uh, working with health authorities in California. Uh, we hope before the end of today to begin to disembark California um, residents uh, to Travis Air Force Base and Miramar. We've made arrangements with Canada and the UK uh, to, uh, uh, to take their uh, passengers back. They'll be transported directly to the tarmac, charter flights home, uh, and um, uh, tomorrow uh, the remaining passengers will be transported again uh, through uh, very, very carefully controlled environments, buses out to the tarmac and, and flown to military bases uh, in Georgia and Texas. All the passengers will be tested, uh, isolated as appropriate, quarantined, uh, as appropriate, and I want to express appreciation uh, uh, to the governor of California and his administration, the governor of Georgia, uh, the governor of Texas for their strong cooperation with us in resolving the issues around the Grand uh, Princess. It has, been a, it has been a partnership which the president directed us from the very beginning uh, and the process uh, that Bob Cadillac will detail in any questions uh, in a few moments. Uh, uh, continues to work and move forward. Uh, the remaining people on the ship, uh, the crew itself, uh, will uh, will push off from the dock and they will be uh, quarantined and observed and treated shipboard. But the president made the priority to get uh, get the Americans ashore, and uh, we're in the process of doing that as well as returning foreign nationals. Um, let me just say one other point, as the President has spoken today to congressional leadership. One of the things that I informed the President that I've been hearing from governors um, is the concern about uh, hourly wage earners in this country um, feeling that they had to go to work even if they were ill. Um, and uh, the President has tasked this economic team and is working already with leaders in the Congress uh, to make sure that um, uh, that, uh, that that anyone is not feels that they are at risk of losing their job or losing a paycheck because they may contract uh, the coronavirus. Um, when we tell people if you're sick, stay home, and the president has tasked the team with developing economic policies that will uh, will make it very very clear that we're going to stand by those hardworking Americans, stand by those businesses, large and small. Uh, and make it possible for us, as the President said from the very beginning, to put the health of America first. Uh, we'll be available to take any questions on any of these topics, but uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, I didn't know if you wanted to speak well, I, a few more. Well, I think what closing. we will be doing is uh, having a news conference tomorrow to talk about various things that we're doing economically. They'll be very major, uh, including, obviously, uh, the payroll tax cut. 
And so we'll be meeting again tomorrow afternoon. We'll be coming back from the Senate. Uh, we have a lot of very important meetings set up. And uh, we'll have a press conference sometime after that. And we'll explain what we're doing on an economic standpoint and from an economic standpoint. Uh, but they will be very, uh, very dramatic. And uh, we have a great economy. We're a very strong economy. But this came, this blindsided the world. And I think we've handled it very, very well. I think they've done a great job. The people behind me have done a great job. So I will be here tomorrow afternoon to let you know about some of the economic steps we're taking, which will be major. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Has he been tested? Uh, have you been tested? I have not been tested for the coronavirus. Has the president, um, I, has the president been tested? Uh, he's, been in, he's been in contact with people who were in proximity to somebody who had the virus. Let me uh, be sure and get you an answer to that. I honestly don't know the answer to the question, uh, but, um, but we'll refer that question and we will get you an answer from the White House uh, physician uh, very quickly. Uh, let, me, uh, let me ask uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks to come to the podium. Uh, you all and, and the American public will have at their fingertips very quickly um, guidance that this is for every American. Uh, we're working with communities like the Seattle area, uh, like portions of California, New York, and Florida that have um, what we call community spread, a concentration of coronavirus cases. Uh, but we directed our team to come up with helpful recommendations for every American, every American family, every American business and school. And uh, uh, if uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci step forward, they can outline that for you. Great, thank you. Good evening. Um, we've been, it was good about getting out last week, meeting with communities. We know that the real solutions to this is every American has a role in stopping the spread of the virus. And so we wanted to really put out guidance for every American and every community that was practical and common sense, but detailed in a way that everyone would know precisely what to do. The guidance will be around how to keep workplaces safe, how to keep schools safe, how to keep the homes safe, and how to keep commercial businesses safe where people would eat or be present. The importance about this is we believe that communities are at the center of this. I came from a field where it was the communities that really solved our issues around HIV prevention. And so we're very much speaking to the communities and the American people about what can be done. All of this information came from a paper that Dr. Fauci provided from the Australians. Um, first author, Dalton. Um, so you can actually look up the scientific evidence that informed each of these guidelines. But we will be providing that this evening in great detail so that every mother, father, child, son, daughter, caregiver will know precisely what to do and what to ask for. Dr. Balfi? Yeah. <clears throat> Just to reiterate what the, Dr. Burke said, it was as, as simple as that. We have been speaking about the kinds of things that would keep our citizens safe in a variety of environments. We've been speaking about on telephone calls, we've been speaking about at conferences. The CDC has been talking about this for a long time, as has Dr. Burks and I. So we thought we would put it together in, in a neat form way that would be available to the general public. 
what Dr. Burks had mentioned is that just the other day I got one of many, many emails where some of my colleagues that I know from Australia actually decided they were going to write a paper on it and make a number of boxes, which was exactly saying what we had been talking about. So we came up with the idea it would be very good for clarity. So why don't we just put it together, edit it a little, and put it in a way that people can look. What about the home? What about the school? What about the workplace? These are really simple, low-tech things. There's nothing in there that's complicated, but it's just stated in a way that's clear that people can understand. Um, I might ask the Surgeon General if there's anything about the guidance you want to reflect on. Well, one thing I want folks to know is that we have been looking at the data from around the world, and we now know more than we ever have about who is at risk. Who is at risk, and I hope you will help us communicate this to the American people, are people over the age of 60. They're much more likely to uh, develop complications from the coronavirus and to be hospitalized from the coronavirus. The average age of death is age 80. Now, what we also want communities to know is that if you are a child or young adult, you are much more, you're more likely to uh, die from the flu if you get it than you are to die from coronavirus. So there is something about being young that is protective. We want people to be reassured by that. We want people to know that we are really focusing in on those, uh, those uh, groups that are at highest risk for complications and helping them understand how to be safe. And this new advice that's going to be coming out tomorrow is designed to keep our community safe, to help keep the most vulnerable safe. And it's important to understand that even though young people aren't at risk for dying from coronavirus, they can potentially spread that to older people in the communities and people with chronic diseases. So it's important we all take precautions, washing our hands, covering our cough, uh, keeping our distance from people who are sick, and taking the steps that will be coming out in this new guidance to help make sure we're doing everything we know possible to keep our most vulnerable protected. Great. Well done. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to, I think the Surgeon General raises a very important point. You know, my, my mother is 88 years young. My stepfather's about the same age. This is just a really good time. What Dr. Fauci tells us, what the experts tell us is, is to look after, look after family members, loved ones who are senior citizens, and particularly those who have serious underlying health conditions. All the data, Dr. Burks confirms to us that they, they're the most vulnerable um, to serious uh, consequences if they contract the coronavirus. But the guidance that uh, we, would, we would ask members of the media and the American public looking on, you can go to coronavirus.gov. This information will be posted tonight, uh, and hopefully it will be useful, helpful, common sense for families, for schools, for businesses, um, and uh, for commercial establishments that, that welcome the public in, just to, just to create the kind of practices that we believe will mitigate uh, the spread of the coronavirus across the country uh, as a whole. But with regard to seniors, I might just ask Seema Verma uh, to step up um, and speak about. Last week at the President's direction, we raised the standards for every nursing home in America with regard to infectious disease, and we are deploying all 8,000 of our inspectors uh, in every state, as we told the governors today, to focus exclusively on infectious disease compliance at our nursing homes. Our hearts break for the families at the Kirkland Nursing Home in Seattle. The loss of life has been grievous. 
but we are we are sending the message out, working with our governors to make sure our nursing homes and long-term care facilities uh, have the additional layer of protection against the spread of the coronavirus. And maybe you'd give us Thank a you. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. As he said, that's exactly where our focus is. It's around infection control. And we're working with the entire healthcare industry. Um, today, we issued more guidance to nursing homes about really upping their screening of people that are coming into the nursing home and making sure that you know they're gloved and they have masks so that, they, so that we can protect people that are in the nursing homes. The other thing that we're doing is because we know that uh, many of our senior citizens are vulnerable, we want to make sure that they know that the Medicare program is behind them and we're here to support them. Um, we're letting our patients know that they can get uh, a coronavirus test and that there is no cost sharing associated with that for our seniors on the Medicare program. And we're also letting them know that because of the president's leadership over a year and a half ago, he took action to actually extend more telehealth benefits uh, to our nation's seniors. And this is a very historic change that we made um, under the president's leadership. And so if they're sick and they're ill, um, they can call their doctor, they can Skype with their doctor, and Medicare will reimburse for those services. And we've also, in our conversations with governors today, we've talked about um, having telehealth services also available in the Medicaid program. Great. Uh, let, me, uh, let me invite Bob Cadlick, who is uh, Deputy Secretary of HHS, uh, to come forward as well uh, to uh, uh, fill us in on the, on the latest on the progress on the Grand uh, Princess. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Vice President. That is dockside now and is going through a, a very careful process of having Americans and foreign nationals come off and everyone will be tested. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, yes, we began our medical operation to basically uh, disembark those passengers on Saturday. We put in place a medical crew on that boat to augment the uh, physicians and nurses that were already on the ship. We basically ensured that the uh, quarantine on the boat and isolation were being enforced, and then evaluated first the children and those who were ill, identifying anyone who is severely ill if possible. When the boat arrived on dockside today, additional medical personnel came on board, and we began, began an orderly disembarkation. Uh, our intent is to basically disembark about half of the passengers on the boat today and the other half tomorrow, and everyone will be medically screened before they get off. If there's any question about their physical or uh, health, uh, they'll be screened again more additionally, and then they'll be transferred to one of the four quarantine sites in the United States, Travis Air Force Base, Miramar Naval, Ma Naval Air Station, Lackland Air Force Base, and Dobbins Air Force Base in Georgia. Uh, the, the foreign passengers will be transferred, uh, the Canadians will be taken back to Canada, and we're working with the United, United Kingdom to return their passengers back to the United Kingdom. But we're doing this all in cooperation with the great support of the state of California, the city of Oakland, and with the support of the Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Coast Guard. Thank you. Great. And uh, on the subject of uh, testing, we had a, a very uh, good discussion today, as I mentioned, with 47 governors. Uh, and um, uh, outlined for them uh, all of the different testing um, um, methods that are available. We have tests now in every state lab in America, but we're rapidly expanding that. And let me ask the Secretary of HHS uh, to give us the latest on the availability of testing to the American public and to the states. Great. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. 
So we continue with our uh, strategic plan at HHS across all of the components represented by many of the leaders here, which is to diagnose, to treat, to contain, to mitigate, to research and communicate. It's what we do in a healthcare crisis situation. Uh, one element of that is the test, which of course CDC developed in record time after getting the genetic sequence posted from China. Uh, that then was available at CDC. And from that point on, uh, there was no individual that a public health official needed to get tested the CDC didn't have surplus capacity to test, but we've been moving progressively to bring that test closer and closer and closer to the patient and to the bedside and to make it as easy as possible for us to use testing, very much in line with our peer countries facing similar epidemiological circumstances. At this point, we, as, as many of you who were here on Saturday for the briefing know, uh, we have over one million tests that have shipped from CDC and two private contractors that are the CDC type of test. Uh, those are now out, and as the Vice President mentioned, every state public health lab is validated and operating those tests. In addition, hundreds of thousands of those tests are in hospitals, in private labs, in commercial labs. Uh, we, we now have a total of 2.1 million tests that are available, either shipped or waiting to be shipped or waiting to be ordered. Um, we, by the end of this week, expect to be able to be producing up to 4 million tests per week. In, in the United States. And that is on top of what the private commercial entities, the companies you know of like LabCorp or Quest, using their technology, the tests that they're getting out, which is an even better experience for the patient because those work, they, they are able to actually collect samples directly in doctor's offices, have a very sophisticated collection system to their labs, again, making it a very much more seamless patient experience. They're now validated and getting up and running and that you'll see even more of that. So as I said, over the next week or so, you're just gonna see a progressively better patient and physician and provider experience connected to diagnostic testing here in the United States. Thank you. So how many have been Very tested good. so far? Well, maybe Let me, uh, questions yeah. in just a moment. Yeah. Oh, we'll come back, Thanks. we'll come back. Thank you. Uh, with that, I wanna, I wanna invite uh, the, uh, the uh, director of CDC um, to come forward just to give you an overview of where we are in the country with regard to cases. And, uh, and then we'll take questions on any of the topics. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Um, we do continue to see an increased number in cases. Again, as we said we would, as, as, uh, as time passes, we currently have a, over 500 cases now in the United States outside of the repatriation cases and the cases on the Diamond Princess. Uh, we now have cases in... Uh, 35 states that have been reported in the District of Columbia. I want to reiterate what the Vice President said, despite what I just said here, is that at the present time, the risk to the American public does remain low. We do have several community outbreaks, which we're focusing on in the Seattle area, in the Santa Clara, California area, in Westminster, in New York, and in, in Florida. And these are areas that we're investigating heavily to try to understand uh, the transmission mechanisms there and begin to help these uh, jurisdictions begin to operationalize a series of mitigation strategies uh, to help, again, to slow and contain the outbreak. Thank you. And let me say, just before we go to questions, coronavirus.gov. For the American public, for healthcare professionals, it is a comprehensive website. We're adding to it every day. And also, Dr. Burks, uh, we're working very diligently to uh, establish a single website where we 
where people can go to track all of the cases and where they're emerging. Questions, please. Uh, can I ask you and Secretary Mnuchin, if I could, the yeah, stock please. market, a huge slide today, and people on Wall Street now talking about the possibility of a recession. Some people saying it's a better than 50-50 chance that that will happen. How worried are you that that will happen? Well, let me just first say, uh, today was an unprecedented move in the oil market. So, you know, we saw a overnight reaction of over down 20 percent. And that's obviously what had a major component today on the stock market. But let me just make a couple of comments more broadly about the economy. Uh, first of all, we couldn't be more pleased that coming into the situation with the coronavirus, the U.S. has the most resilient economy in the world. You saw a very large economic jobs number last month, and we couldn't be more pleased that the president's economic programs of tax cuts, regulatory relief, and trade have put the economy in a very good position. Uh, I would also just say that I am in daily conversations with Chair Powell. Uh, we are committed, and we just had a meeting with the president and the economic team. The president is committed that whatever support we need to provide to the U.S. economy, we will use all our tools, uh, working very closely with the regulators. The president has the bank CEOs coming in this week. We'll be talking to them about what they can do to help small businesses and companies that are impacted. So let me just again emphasize our primary focus is there are parts of the economy that are going to be impacted especially workers that need to be at home, hardworking people who are at home under quarantine or taking care of their family. We'll be working on a program to address that. We will also be working with small businesses who need liquidity through SBA programs. We're looking at alternatives at the IRS. We have large tax payments coming up of providing certain relief to, to companies and individuals for liquidity. So the president is 100% committed that uh, we will provide whatever tools we need, that the economy will be in very good shape a year from now. This is not like the financial crisis where we don't know the end in sight. This is about providing proper tools and liquidity to get through the next few months. Follow up. Well, let me just say uh, there are certain authorities that the president has that we can do on our own, and we've already cataloged those tools. We have a large group, a sub-task force of Treasury and NEC working on this. Um, we are also working with bipartisan leadership uh, on a whole range of alternatives that we'll be discussing with them tomorrow. And as you know, we, uh, we had bipartisan agreement on the spending deal. We will use the same approach to work with the leadership on the House and the Senate on this. You just said that you have not been tested. You said you don't know if the president has been tested. But today we learned that the president has interacted with two lawmakers who have interacted with someone who is positive for coronavirus. So why not get tested? Well, uh, I, I just simply don't know what the White House physician has recommended to the president, but I promise you we'll get you that information. Exactly. When do you think you can let us know if the president has been tested? We'll, we'll let you know tonight. Okay. Right away. Yeah, but look, this is a um, – obviously the White House physician is their, – their directive is to see to the health and well-being of the president of the United States, and uh, we'll get you a very direct answer on that. I've, I've had no, I've had no recommendation that I would be tested, and um, but um, let me let me just say to everyone, I really do believe that um, the guidance that we put out today would be very helpful and very encouraging to Americans. It was fashioned by Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, some of the leading experts in infectious disease in the world. 
And for families that are looking on tonight to go to coronavirus.gov, you can find information about how you can just make your home safer, your family safer, your school safer, your business safer, and we recommend that to your attention. Yes, please. President, do you believe and does the president believe that what happened in the stock market today and what we're seeing uh, among American industries, some of which the president named today as being affected and in trouble here, are in any way a, a result of this White House's reaction to the coronavirus crisis? Uh, is, is this the markets and American businesses uh, saying that you guys are not enough in <coughs> and didn't think enough ahead? Well, I, I have to tell you, I'm, uh, I'm about a week and a half into being asked to lead the President's White House Coronavirus Task Force. And the men and women standing behind me and all the men and women standing behind them uh, have done a, a remarkable job responding to this. The President's decision to suspend all travel from China. Uh, Dr. Fauci, I think, reflected uh, just last night uh, on national television about the time that that bought us. Uh, the decisive action in declaring a public health emergency. Um, I, I really do believe uh, that uh, the American people can see that uh, this president is putting the health of the American people first. But make no mistake about it, as we go forward, and particularly as we have more testing available, and we have these communities that have community spread, there there will be more cases. Uh, and But, uh, but we, we simply ask... Uh, uh, we ask today for the American public to join with us in the common sense practices that will mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. And also, particularly, uh, we're asking every American uh, to look after our seniors who have serious underlying health issues. They are clearly the most vulnerable, and that's where the focus of our energy is today, even as we do everything uh, that we can, working with governors at every level, state and local public health officials uh, to limit the spread of the virus. Mr. 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 Uh, if I could ask you a question of Dr. Fauci. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Dr. Fauci. You're up to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more, more and more organizations, charities are canceling fundraising events, uh, other events. Is, is that prudent? Is that an overreaction? Do you think the president should continue with campaign rallies? And um, do you believe that people, even if they're healthy, should get on board a cruise ship? Okay, so there's multiple different questions, John. So the idea about individual entities, governors, mayors, or whatever, uh, canceling uh, activities that are not coming from a direct uh, recommendation from the federal government, I think that they have a the I don't think I know they have the authority to do that, but what they're probably acting on is what they would consider for their citizens an abundance of caution. Most of the time when that happens, it usually is in an area where there is already documented community spread. And, and Dr. Redfield uh, mentioned the four areas right now that are having community spread that's documented. But you know, there may be, as we know, it's a, re, it's, a, it's, a, it's a possibility that there's community spread going on in areas in which we're not detecting it yet. And I think that's the response of the uh, individuals, be they mayors or governors who have you, who are doing that. So I wouldn't criticize them for that. They're using their own individual judgment. And to me, I think that that would be prudent. Campaign rallies? 
You know, I can't comment on campaign rallies. It really depends. We're, we are having, uh, as we've all said, this is a, a, a something in motion. This is an evolving thing. So not sure what we're going to be able to say at the time where you have a campaign rally. If you're talking about a campaign rally tomorrow in a place where there is no community spread, I think the judgment to have it might be a good judgment. If you want to talk about large gatherings in a place where you have community spread, I think that's a judgment call. And if someone decides they want to cancel it, I wouldn't publicly criticize them. I asked one last one about cruise ships because a lot of people are planning cruises over the spring break. Would you recommend yeah. that anybody, even a healthy person, yeah. get on board a yeah. cruise ship? Yeah. I think if you're a healthy young person, that there is no reason if you want to go on a cruise ship, to go on a cruise ship. Personally, I would never go on a cruise ship because I don't like cruises. But <laughs> that's another story. Uh, but the fact, the fact is that if, if, you have, if you have the conditions that I've been speaking about over and over again to this group, namely an individual who has an underlying condition, particularly an elderly person that has underlying condition, I would recommend strongly that they do not go on a cruise ship. And let me also say, John, I think you, you raise a good point for we're expecting a proposal tomorrow. The DHS, the Coast Guard, all of our health officials are currently discussing with the cruise line industry. I was in uh, Miami on Saturday. Uh, we made it very clear that uh, we needed cruise lines to be safer, to establish and to embrace new protocols screening on board, screening off, new medical protocols, shipboard processes for evacuating people that may contract uh, coronavirus or a serious illness. And, and uh, I know the president was grateful that our, our cruise line leadership uh, all stepped up to the table. They said they're ready to go to the next level. And so we'll, we'll be reviewing that proposal tomorrow with the objective that a part apart from the Americans that Dr. Fauci just described, the seniors with serious underlying conditions, we're going to work with the cruise line industry to improve the safety, improve the health environment on cruise lines in the short term and in the long term. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, thank you. Sorry, I got it. Um, um, last time President Trump was in this room, he told us that the number of U.S. cases was 15 and would soon go down to zero. You guys are saying today that the number is going up and it's more than 500. What is the discrepancy and how is he so wrong on that number? Oh, I, I, look, I, I think what the president was referring to is that we will have people that test positive and then they get better. Uh, uh, president Trump wants the American people to know, and I'm, I'm going to ask Dr. Burks to reflect on this for a moment. The vast majority of people who contract the coronavirus will get better. And the president's just challenged our task force as, as the numbers grow, and they will. As we'll continue to test more and more Americans. We are as I'm standing here. That it's also important to remember that people with the vast majority get better completely. Uh, some, some large percentage have mild flu symptoms, some have serious flu symptoms, but then of course for the for the Americans you heard the Surgeon General referred to, seniors with underlying serious health conditions, Dr. Fauci referred to, we're, we're committed to lean in and to make sure they have the support they need. Um, but uh, but 
the president's focus here is just making sure people understand that while the numbers grow, there are people that come off the list because they get better. And Dr. Burks, did you want to reflect on what we know about the cycle of the coronavirus? Yeah, thank you. So we know the coronavirus reacts a lot like the flu um, in the way it spreads and in the way we prevent it. And so when we put out the guidelines to the American people, they will reinforce the guidelines and we hope the number of flu cases go down too because people will really be what we call situational awareness. I did want to add one piece to our cautions about people with pre-existing condition. We also know that there are children with pre-existing conditions. And we know that there are individuals that are undergoing chemotherapy for their treatment of cancer. For those individuals, if they have what we call decreased number of white cells, and they will have that discussions with the doctors, they are given often a sheet of paper that really describes how they need to protect themselves and how their family needs to protect them. So I want to make sure that we understand, yes, we're concerned about the elderly, we're concerned about others with pre-existing condition, but we're also concerned about anybody who may be in an immuno, what we call an immunodeficiency state, having less white cells and less able to combat any virus. We want to protect all of them from the flu, and we want to protect all of them from coronavirus. And that's why these guidelines are particularly important. Last question. It really is, really is important, I think. It, and I, I want to ask all of the um, journalists in the room, do what you can to distribute this information, coronavirus.gov, because exactly the reason that Dr. Burks just said so well, that we want to make sure that families have the tools, businesses have the tools, even in areas where we don't have a significant outbreak of the coronavirus. We want to make sure that the American people have the tools to prevent uh, the spread of the coronavirus, particularly with regard to the most vulnerable. Yes, Mr. Vice President, earlier you said you tell us how many Americans have already been tested. And as a follow-up to a question that was asked. Hey, we're going to leave the White House press conference at this point, it went on much longer than we anticipated. And uh, uh, we're going to cut short our newscast today because we, we have far more pieces of information to show you than we can possibly get out uh, for tonight. We'll save it for tomorrow. Um, we do want to comment about some of the things that, that the uh, president and the vice president said. First of all, I think, I think the president's attitude is, is best summarized in a tweet that he made today. This is number 55. Somebody tell me exactly what was the president implying? Look, he's... he's He's fiddling. He's playing a violin. Well, who does that remind you of? Nero. Nero, Nero? fiddled while Rome burned. The emperor. emperor yes. Nero. While the while Rome burned, and then he. And he who said, was blamed? Who and who um, was blamed? Uh, Rick. Sounds when, good uh, to when me. Rome and put it. Let's put it back up on the screen because it also says. Uh, nothing can stop what's coming. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does he mean a recovery? Does he mean a massive collapse, which would 
basically uh, facilitate an emperor in this country? Martial law? I mean, at, at the, 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 the destruction of the Constitution, uh, that he remains in office forever? I mean, at a minimum, this is frivolous naivety on behalf of the president, if not complete ambivalence toward those who are actually dying, suffering from coronavirus like in America. He's mocking what's happening, like he's mocking the, the death that's taking place. And he's saying, look, I'm, I'm fiddling while the world burns. Can you imagine being a, a relative of someone at the Life Care Center in Kirkland, Washington, and seeing that tweet? Just, but, think, just think of your granddad has just died or come down with coronavirus, and you see that tweet. That's the message yes. from the President of the United States. So, Edward, if somebody, if, if, if a Trump supporter put that meme out, I would go, that, that's really cold and callous and, you know, really uh, uncalled for at a time like this. But it was... It was released by the president himself. Yes. Yes, he retweeted it. Doc, are you still with us? I am. I, I haven't fallen asleep or anything. I Doc so. with us right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, while, we, while we try to get Doc back, um, you know, the, this wasn't the only tweet from President Trump today. You know, he also tweeted about the oil uh, situation. Obviously, we spoke about this and was mentioned in the press conference about the crashing uh, of oil. It's really due to uh, the, the essential, uh, the lack of a deal between OPEC nations. Uh, there's really a price war going on between mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia and Russia. And, Russia. and uh, the president said that the oil price uh, is good for the consumer. It's number 54. Um, the president, again, is trying to put a spin on a really, really bad story. Today was potentially one of the worst days in the market in the last decade. Definitely the worst for President Trump during his presidency. And the, the stock market, Rick, it's kind of like the president's pride. You know, he will always point to the stock market. The stock market also greatly benefits retirees. Those who have, uh, you know, their, their retirement funds and their, their base of their fixed mm -hmm. income coming in. Well, at the moment, those retirees, yes, they care about the stock market. But they care more about their health, and especially when you have the president's corona task force saying from the podium that anyone now above 60 with an underlying condition, someone who has an immunocompromised uh, you know, immune system, going through chemotherapy, we're talking about high blood pressure, high blood pressure, diabetes, 30, 50, maybe 50 million Americans are affected by this. You can't have a flippant attitude against that. I don't know, but it doesn't give me confidence that he has the temperament and uh, maturity to deal with a crisis at this level. Very, very troubling. And look, Joe Biden, imagine Joe Biden in the White House with a crisis like this. He, he doesn't even know who he's running against. I mean, he's babbling like he's senile. Well, he, gave a, he gave a campaign pitch for President Trump this week. That's what I'm talking about. So crazy. He doesn't even know, he doesn't know what, what time of the day it is. Where we're at is uh, the country's ripe for a uh, nonpartisan, you know, moderate, temperate business person to step in um, and, and just say, uh, we're done with all the parties. This is a crisis and we can't afford to have Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We're, the country's ripe for it. The coronavirus but, candidate. Yes, but how about the mature candidate? Mm. How, about, how about somebody who's mature? Somebody who tweets a meme showing I'm, I'm fiddling while the country burns, while the world burns? 
that is so bizarre. It shows a disconnect. It's with the bizarre, average American. totally bizarre. <clears throat> there are a couple things I want to go over before we uh, we close. We're going to save some of this other heavy stuff for tomorrow. The vice president said regarding the the Princess uh, cruise ship. Uh, he said that the passengers are going to be taken to military bases in Georgia and Texas, and they will be tested. And then he said they will be quarantined if appropriate. Now, I don't know how many times we have to repeat this. And I know our audience, you already know this. You could say it for me. We could, I could move my lips and you could say the words with me. You can go a month with the virus in your body and have no symptoms. You could be tested every day for weeks and show no symptoms. And the test wouldn't prove anything, but you still would be contagious. I, I don't understand why these people at, in the White House and the CDC, I don't understand why they don't get this either they are deliberately misinforming the public or they themselves are in denial. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to say they're in denial. I really believe they're in denial because if they understood what I just explained to you, nobody would be around Mike Pence and Donald Trump right now because they have been in the presence of people who were exposed to the virus. A couple, uh, according to what we've seen out of uh, APAC and CPAC, people have actually tested positive. Yes. Have at least been in the same area, the same airborne uh, environment, air conditioned environment. Remember the study we covered at the beginning of the program? Uh, as the vice president, his staff, the secretary of state and other uh, officials. And you heard the biggest thing out of that press conference, Rick, was the, the press yelling. Have you been tested? As you speak about the test kits and the testing of other Americans, what about those on the stage who are, are by your Once own numbers? Again, Edward, they're in denial. They don't want to talk about APAC. <clears throat> they don't want to talk about CPAC. They were in the presence of people who tested positive. They don't want to talk about it. They shouldn't be standing there around other people. The reporters ought to be fleeing. I mean, the reporters ought to be showing up wearing Matt Gaetz's uh, biohazard suit. And where is Congressman Matt Gates? Last week, he was mocking coronavirus, wearing his his biohazard mask and and uh, gear and making fun of it. Where's he at today? Self-quarantine. He's in quarantine. Why is he in quarantine? Because he had actually been in contact with an individual we now know has been confirmed to have tested positive with coronavirus. I don't think Vice President Pence gets it. I really don't think I don't I think they're in denial like they don't realize that as they're traveling around meeting people and attending these conferences they're coming in contact with people who are uh, contagious and then to say well we don't know if we're going to we're not you know just to brush off we're not going to stop campaign rallies why 
a responsible person who wouldn't be holding these rallies. You're, you're putting your constituents, your fans, your voters in danger by continuing. I mean, they, they tried to ask Dr. Fauci this question, maybe see if he would give a nonpartisan uh, answer. But he, even he was very careful because to challenge the rallies could be to directly challenge your existence in the White House and the president himself. Yes, but Dr. Fauci also said he wouldn't criticize anybody who canceled a rally. And I'm not so sure he wasn't referring to a governor who would have emergency powers to say that a rally will not be held in his or her state. Think about that. What if President Trump has a Make America Great rally scheduled for, I mean, you just pick any state, New Jersey. And the governor of New Jersey declares a state of emergency and says there will not be any large political rallies in New Jersey. Can President Trump override the governor who's exercising emergency medical powers? It's, it's a, an incredible it, question. Because the, camp, lawyer, the campaign, the campaign, Edward, doesn't he can't he can't he can't. Uh, exercise presidential authority because it's a campaign. That's not the federal government. Under so the governor would, would take priority over a campaign. So Mr. Trump could find himself being blocked by governors. Maybe the National Guard. Or even mayors saying, there's not going to be a campaign rally in our city. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think the president wouldn't take the country down this route to have a standoff on a tarmac uh, because a governor has intervened over the safety of those who shown up for a rally. But I don't I don't know if the president wouldn't try to go into a gray zone here. And as you noted, he shouldn't, as the president, try to hold a campaign rally using presidential power to force it to happen. But could you see him doing something like that? Yes. I mean, that, that's, that puts yes. an incredible uh, obstacle, an incredible uh, standoff in place, because the governor, if he really wanted to enforce his order, would call out police, maybe even the National Guard. The president, the president could, again, arrive with his own contingent of military. I, I don't know what that scenario looks like. Edward, what I, happen? diehard Trump supporters mm. increasingly are saying that the coronavirus is a deep state conspiracy. Oh, that's right, yes to defeat Donald Trump in November. And folks, you please don't believe that stuff. Okay, look, you know, I'm one of the most- Patriotic. But I'm one of the most skeptical, <laughs> cynical people uh, analyzing the news. I've seen it all, I've heard it all, all right? I, I, I don't believe politicians and I don't trust governments, but this is a real plague. This isn't, this isn't, made up. It isn't a hoax. Okay. So don't go down that road of saying, uh, oh, it's, it's all about wrecking the Trump reelection campaign. Look, um, that is dangerous for people to think like that because the worse the situation becomes, the more agitated and, and irritable and unreasonable people are going to act when, if they truly believe, I mean, that makes you a virus denier. Mm. Are you going to be a virus denier that there's no virus, that there isn't a plague sweeping across the world right now? I mean, we, we, we can't go in that direction right now. Something very ominous and serious and deadly is loose on the planet right now, and people are dying. And we need calm, mature, uh, stable leaders 
uh, forget about political parties. We just need calm, mature, stable, wise leaders to take the world through this situation. We could see a couple hundred million people die in the next year or two. Um, so, look, you know, I think at this point, uh, I'm going to I'm going to end today's newscast. I'm going to save the rest of this for tomorrow. Uh, we haven't talked about CPAC yet. <clears throat> we haven't talked about the reports that came out of uh, uh, Australia and uh, the other one, I think, is China. Yes. Uh, we've got some very, very stunning information to come out. And we'll just save that for tomorrow. So, again, we, we appreciate everybody who is uh, supporting True News. Our, our viewership is skyrocketing because people are coming here and they're realizing we're not exaggerating. We're not making stuff up. We're not, uh, you know, we're not selling health products. We're not selling anything that's trying that we're not telling you, you know, we got some kind of magic potion that's uh, going to protect you from from uh, coronavirus. I, I will tell you the blood of Jesus Christ will protect you. Hallelujah. And I stand by that claim and people can mock me if they want to mock me, but the name and the blood of Jesus Christ will protect you. And I'm calling people to get as close to the Lord as possible. That's where your safety is at. In the meantime, I encourage you, if you can buy food and supplies, please do it. We, we almost saw the world financial system collapse today. I mean, it was carnage all across the board in Asia and Europe and America today. Uh, I don't know how many more days of this the markets can, can withstand. And uh, it, see, what's, for those of us who, who know that this is happening, and I'm, I'm talking to the True News audience, Edward, every day that the public stays in denial, that's an extra day for you and me to get ready. It's bought you time. I know it's, it's, yes. keep it's yes. bought you time. Well, Their is denial you. is buying you and me time. But there's coming a day, it could be tomorrow morning, it could be next Monday. There's coming a day when this herd stampedes. That's what I'm concerned about. When the herd gets spooked and they stampede to the stores and start fighting uh, over uh, supplies. As a matter of fact, do we do we have the video from Australia the the fight over toilet paper? Do we have that video? Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of the fights throughout the day. Okay, today. if not, I'll, I'll I'll show it tomorrow. Okay, it was a video uh, of a f three women physically fighting, hitting each other in a grocery store in Australia over the last roll of toilet paper. In a knockdown, drag out fist fight between three women over toilet paper. This is, this, is, this is the panic that I'm telling you is coming. So every day the public is in denial, you have been given an extra day to calmly go get supplies. But when the herd gets spooked, they're gonna go through the stores like like locusts locust, and devour everything. And they'll be fighting and shoving and all kinds of violence and, and you won't get back in to get anything.
Thank you so much for watching. Please tell your friends that they ought to be watching True News. We appreciate your love and your support and your prayers. Pray for Carrie. Carrie's uh, had, uh, he had a setback and uh, he, was, he went to see his cardiologist today and uh, pray for him. And also pray for my wife, Susan. She went home early today. She's, she's been having a very severe pain in a muscle on her side. And it's, uh, I think it's just the way she's sitting. She's working in here very hard every day. And I think, I think she's just, uh, she just, she, I, I keep telling her she, she needs to stay home for a week or two and just uh, rest and, and uh, get some relief. But she went home early today in a lot of pain. All right, we battle on. We keep going. We don't stop. And uh, your prayers really mean a lot to us. Uh, it keeps us energized. And uh, I want to thank the people also who are, who are contacting us and just, we, we've had people who've sent uh, donations specifically for uh, Susan and me and said, hey, I want to make, I want to do something to help you, you personally. Mm. It's not for the ministry. This is for you and Susan. We've had others that, um, there were today, Edward, um, uh, boxes containing uh, uh, cans of dehydrated food oh, came wow. in. Um, I didn't know about it. I just saw it a few minutes ago uh, before I walked out here, in, or before, a few minutes before coming into the studio. And uh, so, brother, thank you. Thank you for doing that. People are doing things for us, and we appreciate uh, your thoughtfulness and your kindness that you're thinking about us, that we're here, we're laboring on behalf of the Lord's kingdom, and uh, you're thinking about the Lord's servants. Thank you so much. means a lot to us. Hey, we'll be back here tomorrow on behalf of Doc Burkhart, uh, who signed off, and uh, Edward Zoll. I'm Rick Wiles. Thank you for watching True News. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless you.